Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. Well, good morning. We're uh, beginning again today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to invite you to find a Bible and go with me there to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 15 today, particularly at uh, those latter verses. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that The life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now, Father, as we gather around your word this morning, our prayer is that you would take your word by your Holy Spirit and apply it to our hearts and our minds, to our thinking, so that it might impact our living. Grant, Lord God, that we would see today death differently than when we started this day. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been studying our way through 2 Corinthians 4, one of the things that we've said and really spent a good deal of time on is how believers, because of the gospel, see the world and see themselves, see life and see death differently from everyone else. We said that perspective is a powerful thing. How we see impacts how we live, and and surely we recognize that as we live our lives and live out of our relationships. How we see people impacts how we relate to them. How we see our situation impacts how we relate to that situation. But believers have as a marked difference because of the gospel, the way in which they see uh, God in the world, life and death. And all of that is driven by what they know God has done in the past in Christ, what he's doing right now in Christ, and what he's promised to do in Christ. 
We've seen together as well that what happens with this new perspective, with these gospel lenses, if you will, is that we come to have in this life, regardless of what's going on around us, a new confidence, a new boldness, and a new courage. There is a new determination. There's a new strength for whatever comes to us, whatever happens to us, and whatever seems to be coming at us. Today, we want to close out this portion of our study by looking at the subject of death and of seeing together how death, through the lens of the gospel, also looks differently and then impacts the way in which we live. We see, like God and ourselves in life, we see, as followers of Jesus, death differently. We're going to be focusing today on verses 10 through 15. And here, Paul shows us that he and every true believer now sees what death has become, how death now works, and what death means and will mean for the future in and because of the resurrected Jesus. Let's begin at verse 10 and let's see what uh, believers see in terms of what death has become. Paul says, I'm always carrying in my body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So Paul is continuing to describe his life with Christ and his life of faith in Christ. It means not only that he carries within his body the treasure of the gospel, as we saw in verse 7, like a gem in an earthen pot. It not only means that as he carries the gospel in that earthen pot, he gets battered in the process, as we saw in verses 8 and 9. But Paul says, in addition, that as he walks with Christ and as a consequence of his commitment to Christ and the gospel, he's always carrying not just this gem of the gospel, but he's also carrying in his body the death of Jesus. That word death in the original speaks more to the process of dying. And so Paul says he lives always dying, following the pattern of Jesus. Why? Well, he says so that the life of Jesus might be shown in and through my body, the way I live. I'm constantly dying so that I might put on display a kind of living. This life of Jesus that uh, Paul shows is, is important to understand. It's more than Jesus' earthly life and ministry. It's, it's more than living, asking myself, what would Jesus do if Jesus were still here and looking at his ministry and, and looking at his, his uh, 33 years of life here on this earth and saying, I, I think he would do it this way or that way. Believers are meant, Paul is actually saying, in their dying and dying to self like Jesus to live in the new way of the resurrected Jesus. We are to live as Jesus gives us life. The resurrected Jesus gives us life right now. And so what Paul is setting up is, is this reality. He says that as believers live, 
They live dying to self so that they might live like the resurrected Christ and thus be living proof that death has become something different from what it was, that death has changed. We become living proof that death after Jesus can actually lead to life. How does that happen? Well, in the death of Jesus, death itself has died. In him, death has died so that life can be lived. The consequences of Jesus' death are enduring. Jesus died at a fixed point in time, but the consequence of that is enduring, ongoing. And now this same Christ who was crucified in weakness now lives by the power of God and he lives in and through, in part, his people who remain here on this earth. So those whose faith is in the resurrected Christ are a people who reflect or mimic this, uh, this pattern of Jesus, dying to self and living in the power that only God can give. Dying to self, living in the power that only God can give. This is what Paul was getting at in, in that famous passage in Galatians 2, where he says, uh, he says this, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I, I carry about in my body the process of dying. I've been crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, he says, uh, though I have died to myself, I still live. Why? How? It's no longer I who live, Paul says, but Christ who lives in me. Though Paul has died with Christ, it doesn't mean he's lost his life. What it means is that rather that he has gained a new life with Christ living in him. And so he concludes then and says to the Galatians, the life that I now live in the flesh, I, I live now by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Death has changed. It isn't what it used to be. Death is now something because of the death of Christ that I experience daily and that I see turned to life daily. Now, most of the Jews of Paul's day believed that death meant entering Hades and living the very same life they had lived, but in a kind of shadowy existence with no real punishment, no real reward. And so they had a lot of fear. They had a lot of uncertainty surrounding death. The uh, common Roman citizen of Paul's day believed that death meant going to, to another dreary Hades as well and carrying on with the same life you had before, but with everything that makes life worth living taken away. The Epicureans of Paul's day believed that death was simply the end of all of life. That uh, after death, there was nothing, there was no accountability, no punishment, no reward, no consequence for how they lived. And so they believed there was nothing to fear in death, but at the same time, it meant that there is nothing to hope for after death. The Stoics of Paul's day also believed that death was the end and they said, you simply have to accept it. 
You've got a life that's determined for you. You've got a, a time of death that's determined for you. And all you can do is, is grit your teeth and bear it. And so for the Epicureans, the Epicureans said, there is nothing after death, so eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow you die. So the Epicureans had fun without fear and without hope. The Stoics, on the other hand, had no fun, no fear, and no hope. And so what we find is that uh, there was at the end of the day in, Rome, in Paul's world, in Paul's Roman world, in the Jewish world, you, you are either dominated by this idea of death, either as something that left you hopeless or something that left you fearful. What is curious to me is that we have Stoics and Epicureans and uh, uh, quasi-Jews still today in, in, in our world and in our nation. We have uh, a lot of the same views that the uh, common Roman citizen had. They're still reproduced. They're still reflected in our culture. That somehow fear and hopelessness are what death means. And as a result of that, what we see is that people live their lives trying to act as if death doesn't really matter or that it isn't really coming. And we entertain ourselves to death hoping either that maybe we'll be good enough for, for some kind of heaven if there is one or, or if there isn't a life after this one that nothing we do matters. But for believers, death is different. And Paul is saying, death has changed. I don't see it the way I used to see it. And I don't see it the way the world sees it. It isn't the end. Death is not the end. Death is not an uncertain end. But rather, for believers, Paul is saying, death is the beginning of good things that will only get better. It isn't an experience of the end of life. It is now, and this is so critical, it is now, death is now an experience at the beginning of a new life. And it is an ongoing experience that is always at the beginning of a fresh experience of that new life. And that new life is life as it was always meant to be and made possible by the resurrected Jesus. So this new view of death, very different. It's not just parked at the end of life. It, it, it isn't uh, one that is uh, so unknown that it, and so uncertain that it creates fear. It isn't one that is simply a cutoff so that it leaves us without any hope. But rather, death is something that in happening to Christ Jesus, happens continually to us, and then ultimately has as its consequence, both now and in the future, a new and better kind of life. Makes living with this kind of view does two things for us. It makes us willing to die to self it also makes us able to die to self. In fact, it makes it necessary that we die to self. Uh, it, it, makes it makes us willing to sacrifice. It makes us uh, uh, willing to give up who we are and what we have in the service of Christ. And there's, there's a necessity that comes with that as well. 
It, it makes us willing to endure hardship and persecution if need be. Why? Well, because death is, is for us now an experience that brings the new beginning of a new life that can only get better day after day after day after day. So Paul says, frankly, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, he says, I am absolutely convinced of this uh, uh, resurrection. And as a result of that, he says, I die every single day. After Jesus and his death and his resurrection, death has changed. Death is no longer a door that simply opens to fear and hopelessness. But death after Jesus is the door to a new destiny. And seeing death that way and seeing it as an ongoing experience, modeling the life and death of Jesus is what gives us courage and confidence here, now, regardless of what is happening around us and to us. Notice with me next that Paul says believers not only see what death has become, instead of a door to fear, it is now a door to destiny. He says, now, now look at how death works. We see how death works differently. Verse 11, he says, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, again, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What Paul is doing here is he's expanding on what he said in verse 10, explaining this new view of death in terms of how it works as this ongoing process. Notice that Paul says in verse 10 that he carries the death of Jesus, but in verse 11, he says he's constantly being given over to death for Jesus or for the sake of Jesus. Death and life with Jesus mean this ongoing process of dying for Jesus and then living, and that the living is ultimately for others as well. How does this dying happen in Paul's life? Well, he's already described it for us in verses eight and nine. Look there again with me. Notice how Paul dies and how he dies daily. He says, I, I die daily from pressure. When uh, I'm a hard pressed from the outside by life and people, I experience a kind of dying. I, I experience death daily from perplexion when I'm at a loss to explain why life has taken the turn that it, that it has. I, I'm, I'm constantly facing death and dying from persecution or opposition because of my faith in Christ. I'm constantly experiencing uh, death and dying when I'm knocked down, when I'm struck with such force that I, I can't get up on, on my own. I can't uh, uh, access enough strength to stand up when I come to the end of myself. So Paul says, I, I die daily to myself for Christ, just like Christ did. Just as Christ took the ultimate cross of self-denial for our ultimate good, that he might be the source of eternal life for us. Paul lives with a cross of self-denial so that his death 
might be the means by which the resurrection of life, the resurrection life of Jesus, could be put on display before the world. Paul is saying that you and I as believers are to live in such a way that others can see that in Christ, death no longer works the way it used to work. Death no longer works to take life, but in Christ, death is always at work to remake life. So Paul understands how important his death and his dying have become. His, his, his life of, of, of dying and living, dying to self, living for the sake of Christ, dying for self, living for the sake of others, is, is the means by which the world can see what God has done in Jesus. His dying to himself is the platform for the life Jesus gives. Paul knows, and we should know and recognize, we have to keep dying to self if the world is ever going to catch just a glimpse of the great grace and extraordinary life that only Jesus can give. You know, uh, working my way through this passage I found myself having to ask, um, Steve, how do you need to die? How do you need to die? If death isn't a, a, just a point in, in the future somewhere, when uh, this, this current life comes to a close, if death really is now a door to a new destiny, and, and if it works by uh, way of a process whereby we give up ourselves and take on more of the life of Christ, where do I need to die? Where's my next step? We, we often say at Center Grove that everyone has a next step toward Jesus. But I wonder if we realize that every step, every next step toward Jesus includes another step away from ourselves. That every step of life includes a step of death. Where do I need to die? Where do you need to die? What is it that dominates your life that keeps you from living in the resurrection freedom of Jesus? What is it that keeps you from dying daily? Another way to put it is, what do you regularly give up? so that others might see the grace and the mercy, literally, of God in Jesus through your dying and your living. I want to remind you that I'm not talking about being nice because Jesus wasn't really nice. Jesus was love, and Jesus was loving. His love was sacrifice. Niceness never sacrifices. Love always sacrifices. His love was a sacrifice for you and for me and for a broken world that came with the ultimate surrender to God. That leads us then to ask, finally, where am I loving? If God really isn't concerned about me being nice, but he is concerned about, uh, about me being loving, 
Where in my life is a consistent pattern of sacrifice where I die to myself and surrender to God and let him have his way with me so that his life is manifest consistently in the way I live. Finally, I want you to see with me what death means and what death will mean. Paul says, so death is at work in us, but life is at work in you, Corinthians. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so also we speak. Paul begins here to draw a conclusion about what this death of Christ at work in a believer means, both for the world and for believers themselves. It means, first of all, that death is not undone, but it means that death is overcome. It means that death isn't removed, rather that death is defeated. Death is overcome by the resurrection. So just as Jesus is the one who's crucified for sinners and raised for their justification, Paul too, and you and me, if we're believers, in Jesus is one who is crucified to self and raised to walk in newness of life for the world's uh, demonstration so the world might see. And that means that his afflictions and his hardships and your afflictions and my afflictions aren't always going to be removed by the resurrected Christ. In fact, more often than not, God leaves the afflictions and he leaves the hardships so that as we work our way through them, like the Apostle Paul had to work his way through them, the dying to self that they bring might put on display the resurrection life of Jesus. And see, now you see why it is and how it is that Paul is able to say, I may be dying from pressure, but my resurrection life in Christ means I can never be painted into a corner. I may always be dying from loss, but my resurrection life means I'm never lost. I may be dying from attacks, but my resurrection in Christ, my resurrection life in Christ means I'm never alone. I may be dying from being knocked down, but my resurrection life means that I'll never be knocked out. And living with that kind of display of dying, but living in resurrection power really represents ultimately the calling of every believer. Here it is. We are to die living for Christ and to live while dying for Christ. We are to spend our lives reenacting the death of Jesus that we all share and the life of Jesus that we all enjoy. And it is in this paradox of, of living, dying, and dying, living, that the death and new life of Jesus are made plain to the world, and the gospel is given away into the hearts and minds of people. Believers are to live putting self to death again and again so that the resurrection power of Jesus
is seen overcoming it over and over in them. I love the way Paul concludes this passage, this life of sacrifice, imperfectly displaying Christ's perfect death and his new life, is motivated, Paul says, finally, by this firm belief. And we find it in verse 14. He says, I believe with all my heart, and this is how I'm able to die and live, to live and die. I believe that he, verse 14, who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. He said, I believe with all my heart that what I'm modeling with my life, dying and living, one day I will experience perfectly later. One day the imperfect will be made perfect. And one day, all who have come to faith in Jesus will stand in God's very presence. And Paul says, I see them all filled with thanksgiving, thanksgiving for Jesus. And uh, that thanksgiving is experienced by the Father as uh, an expression of his glory. So this is my calling, Paul says. I live dying so that I might live, and I live so that I might die. And then see others coming to faith in Christ so that one day we might stand together and celebrate who God is in Christ and what he's done and rejoice over him and his great glory. Loved ones, you and I can't truly follow Jesus without dying first. Dying is a prerequisite for living for him. We can't die without uh, with Jesus without also living to help others die and live too, just as we have done. We can't follow without dying, and we can't die, truly die, without aching and desiring that others see and know this Savior. So when God shows us his glory in Jesus, we can't help but see everything differently. We see the gospel differently. We see God differently. We see ourselves differently. We see life and we see death differently. And so the great secret of secrets to living with Jesus and to living for Jesus in this fallen world of ours, the great secret to living faithfully and to living fruitfully, showing him and sharing him with boldness and confidence is learning to see and to keep seeing through the lens of all that God shows us in Christ Jesus, of who he is in Jesus, what he's done in Jesus, and what he will do in Jesus. And it is for that reason that Paul says elsewhere, and I leave you with this today, no matter what happens, no matter where life takes you, set your perspective on Jesus and keep it there. 
Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things, constantly seek those things that are above where Christ is. Keep seeing your life, your death, God, others, your world through the lens of the gospel of who God is, what he's done in Jesus and what he will do. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you know you will also appear with him in glory. May God bless his word to the transformation of our hearts and our lives by the transformation of our perspective. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.